This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. And I'm thrilled beyond belief to have in the studio today some of the leading lights in medical education. And may I say, very attractive ones, too. Say hello to a particularly captivating gentleman, Nick Lynn. Hello. A big welcome to the oh-so-fetching Aline Sanduk. Hi, guys. The beguiling Emma Barr is lighting up the room today. Oh, you're too kind. And the pulchritudinous <laughs> Hannah Van Ert hey. has graced us with her presence. Thank you for joining me today. It's graduation day at the University of Iowa. It's very exciting for uh, a quarter of the students at, uh, at our fine institution. Um... And for the rest of you, it's business as usual. Suck it up. Yep. <laughs> Keep studying. Yep. Anyway, before we begin, I'd like to remind our listeners that our charitable mission is supported by t-shirt sales at theshortcoat.com slash store, as well as sales of our new cookbook, Recipes for Med School Success, featuring receipts by listeners and hosts of the Short Coat Podcast. We'll talk about that later in the show, though. Don't let that distract you <laughs> from our listener question that we got. Um... And if you sensed another presence in the room, you're not wrong. And no, it's not YouTuber James Charles poking around to find out where all his subscribers went. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's admissions coordinator Megan Kosofsky. Hi. Uh, hi, Megan. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Did you all get my, you all got my James Charles reference. Yeah. I was really expecting it to be a bit more obscure than that. Where did you find that? I don't, I have been, first of all, I'm okay. So for those of you who haven't been paying attention, James Charles is a beauty YouTuber, um, who has zillions of followers. Mm -hmm. And then he got into a dust up with his mentor, another beauty YouTuber by the name of, uh, Taddy West, something, like something or yeah, other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been all the talk on YouTube, um, and elsewhere because, you know, he was, he was behaving badly and she called him out and then he lost all these millions of subscribers and oh the, the twitter sphere and then the insta place and the <laughs> face pod and i mean it's all like so i don't know how I, i'm sure i ran across this like going through google news and was like hmm, what's that and like oh drama drew you in i am i have said this on the show before i am total clickbait like <laughs> susceptible, like you can distract me with any sort of like, and I'm like, I don't care about this, but I will read about will it, read it exhaustively. <laughs> well, no one likes to be left out, right? Well, Especially right, of drama. Makes me feel young too, you know, like, yeah. I guess, I don't know. I enjoy the like best 25 products on Amazon. I'm hooked. I always look at those too. Those and are, yeah. great. I fall, I get and those, they're never yeah. that great. No. <laughs> So, uh, Megan, I asked you to be on the show today because we have a listener question from our neighbor to the north, uh, somebody who wanted to remain anonymous, so I'll call him Molson. Uh, let's hear what Molson's question is. I'm loving your podcasts and have been listening for the past several months. I enjoy the mix of serious topics, Q&As from listeners, 
and the funny weird stuff y'all do. The funny bits make me grin like a goof on the subway and have caused me to almost drop a barbell on myself several times at the gym. So thank you for that. We're here to injure you. I'm applying for my third application cycle this year and have had little success with Canadian schools as a Canadian citizen. I'm considering applying to some American schools and was really hoping to get some information about the process as someone who is mostly unfamiliar with the MCAS process. It seems quite different to the Canadian system. Are you able to feature a knowledgeable individual who can speak to what the process is like for a Canadian slash international student applying to medicine in the States? <laughs> in the States? <laughs> Megan? Yeah. I think that's where you come in. Okay, well... You are a resident knowledgeable person about admissions, or one of them. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure we can compare and contrast... Canada's process versus the process in the U.S., but you know some things about the U.S. process, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one piece of advice I'd have for for the, what was what was the fake Molson. Name? Molson Molson. It's a Canadian beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Good for Molson, Molson, I think one thing that I would make sure to do is to check with the MSAR report. So I, did any of you ever use the MSAR yeah, yeah. report? Yeah. Um, so that gives you more information on the schools. Um, so you can, you can know who will accept an international student, what types of MCAT scores they're looking for. There's lots of great information. And I looked it up. It's $28 for the subscription. So the feedback I've gotten from students is it's well worth that. And sometimes you can find codes so that it's, it's a little bit cheaper to get access to the report. But that will tell you a bit more information about what schools you might want to target. Um, so for us, for the University of Iowa, you need to be a citizen or documented permanent resident or have asylum status. So I'm not sure if... Um, if Molson. Molson, sorry. Would, right. meet, would meet those requirements. But regardless, I think when you're looking for what types of schools to apply to, that would be a really good first stop. Um, does that help? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one of the things, my initial reaction from a somebody who knows things about U.S. medical schools was, wow, two or three application cycles. I mean, you know, two is not uncommon. Um, three is, of course, less common in the U.S. But then I looked up um, what it's like to apply to medical schools in, in uh, Canada, and two or three is actually par for the course. Um, wow. Canadian med schools, there's only 17 medical schools in Canada, um, and acceptance rates are about 10% of, uh, in Canada as opposed to roughly 40% in the U.S. Wow. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's not at all surprising then that, uh, that Molson is having a difficult time. Um, yeah, and I guess one thing that we do look for here, we we want to know how you would perform in U.S. classrooms and have some experience um, working in U.S. hospitals in general. So that might be another piece of the puzzle he wants to look at. Yeah. So what is the process like for, for Molson's uh, pr uh, purposes? What Aside from getting... Um, uh, the status of, you know, permanent resident or, or those sorts of things. Um, just outline briefly the U.S. process for him. Sure. In terms of the whole application? Just, just, <laughs> the, just the broad strokes. Because um, it's a lot. I mean, it's not. 
Yeah, it's yeah. A, I mean, I actually feel like the students might want to jump in here because they've lived it a little bit more. And I'm happy to give you my feedback from the admissions standpoint. But would you all want to comment a little bit on the process? Uh, I, mean, I think good. I'm going to sit this one out because uh, my my AMCAS application was in 2012. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, she ba yeah. barely remembers. Well, I guess a couple of things. Um, so I applied both uh to MD and DO schools, mm. so both mm. AMCAS and ACOMAS. And I do know that a lot of DO schools, uh, it is a little easier for Canadian students. Oh, and I met yeah. a lot of Canadian students on the interview trail. Um, and some, uh, I believe it's Michigan State, but don't quote me on that. Uh, I think they actually set aside specific spots for Canadian students. Um, so, you know, that's that's one thing to look at and consider you, consider DO schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as AMCAS goes, uh, I don't know if anybody else wants to jump in, but uh, I, I can talk a little bit about that, too. Um, and, you know, it, it's a uh, you write a lot of essays about yourself. Uh, I, I, I mean, I have no clue how to compare it to the Canadian process. Yeah, don't bother. It's, but, <laughs> we, we can't we can't do that. But you write a personal essay and, and you, uh, you know, kind of list all of your extracurricular activities and all your past experiences. And, and you talk a lot about that in the application itself. Mm -hmm. um, you, it's a centralized application yes, system. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. One application for all the schools. Right. Uh, for the most part. I mean, Texas schools are a little weird, so, uh, but they're also pretty insular. They like Texas students. Mm -hmm. um, and then the DO school is a separate, a separate application as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that centralized application then goes out to all of the schools that you put on your list and they look at all the information that you put into the system and they send uh, um, invitations for you to come and interview from that. Well, you have to do your secondaries, yeah, which is so, really secondaries. Yeah, so yeah that's I forgot the, about that. Part. When Nick's saying the AMCAS is a centralized application, it is, but and then the schools will send you a secondary, and in my opinion, it's just a big money grab. Yeah, <laughs> they exactly. usually send a lot of people secondaries, so you kind of have to pick and choose which schools that you want to send secondaries back because it's usually between like $65 to $100 to send mm -hmm. back your secondary application, mm -hmm. and that's just you know, more essays. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they usually ask you something along the lines of like, why do you want to come to our institution? Um, it's a little bit more focused on right. the individual mm -hmm. institutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from the secondary application, then they usually send you a request for like an invitation to interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of being reflective throughout the application process, whether it's your personal statement or your activities and then the mm -hmm. secondaries and then interviewing, you just like come up with all these stories that, you know, keep in a notebook or something so you can quickly pull them out. One, one other thing, too, is I don't know if they have to take the MCAT in Canada or what their yeah. standardized test is, too. So you have to mm -hmm. think about the MCAT. And I'm pretty sure I took my MCAT in like the May or June before I started school. Does that sound right to you guys? Uh, before you started applying. So like, Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. You take the MCAT and then you apply and then a year later you start. Right. Yeah. Right. So that might be something that they have to think about as well. Yeah. So sounds like a long a long runway for for you, Molson, to get where you need to go, but you can do it. It's not impossible. Right. Um, and, and you know the funny. So the interesting thing about medicine, you know, everybody says this: it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. That also applies to the process mm -hmm. of getting into med school. Yeah. Um, and then it applies to you know, okay, you graduate. Like I say, today is graduation day, and lots of people are celebrating. But at some point, it's going to hit them like, oh crap, I've still got you know, I'm only halfway through this 
this process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, best to, you know, take it one step at a time, mm -hmm. um, like any complicated process, break it down into little tiny chunks and, and just keep, uh, just keep on keeping on. I also don't know how we are about plugging other resources, but I know, uh, Ryan Gray's yep. podcast, the pre-med years, yeah, that's and, a good uh, the, uh, he has a Facebook group, uh, medical school headquarters that's right. hangout. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are a lot of Canadians on that Facebook group. So if you could look for that, look for his resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff for Canadian students. Yeah. There. I listen to his podcast all the time when I was applying. It was really helpful. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, he, he has several podcasts focused on, um, on pre-med advising. So uh, check him out definitely. And, and uh, um, he's a good, he's a good friend of mine. So uh, I can recommend. <laughs> right. Um, thank you, Megan. Cool. Thank you. I need to take a break here to say that support for the Short Code Podcast's charitable mission comes from the sale of t-shirts. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, our new digital download cookbook recipes for med school success from the listeners and co-hosts of the Short Code Podcast available at the shortcoat.com slash store. If you want to know how to devil an ostrich egg, which sounds like some sort of Australian euphemism for sex, but isn't. <laughs> You can name your price in order to get access to the nutritional goodness to be found in recipes for med school success. You know, if I'm, people didn't think we were ivory tower elitists before <laughs> hearing about the ostrich, they definitely think we are. I want to do that. Like, I've never thought of like an emu or ostrich egg deviled. Yeah, and that—that's amazing. You—you you may be—you may be surprised to know that this uh, recipe was contributed by our, our own Arisa Mahapan. Of course, it was. Oh, okay, that makes way more sense. And uh, I was about to be like, uh, which a super rich person grocery store do we get that? <laughs> Fascinating. Fa uh, here's a, a pro tip. Uh, in order to break an ostrich egg, you need a hammer. Oh, Can wow. I put it in my Instapot to boil it? Because that's how I do it. <laughs> I'd say it's worth. I'd say it's worth a try. Let's you can figure it out, guys. You can get them locally. She said. So all right. I don't know how. What a nut she is. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting person she is. Arisa also graduates today. So Ooh, now begins. Now begins the. Um, what should I say? The 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 uh, the the sort of. Uh, post co-host um, legendization <laughs> that sometimes happens with our with our friends who graduate. Yeah, the short Coat podcast has a big alum network now. Yeah, we should tap into that somehow, someday, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, not you and me, Lean. We're here forever. No, yeah, we'll never be alone. <laughs> our sentence still has a few more years. <laughs> By the way, our spring 2019 T-shirts are beginning to sell out. So if you've been hesitating to spend 15 measly dollars on a cool graphic tee, now's the moment to go to the shortcoat.com/store to get yours. In the news this week. As gender becomes a more fluid designation around the world and in the U.S., we were confronted this week with a sad story from the New England Journal of Medicine. A uh, trans man delivered a stillborn baby in Ann Arbor, Michigan, after his designation as male uh, brought confusion and probably bias into his treatment after he presented himself to the ER with severe abdominal pain. So here's how this happened. The triage nurse didn't consider this a medical emergency. Um, instead noting that he was obese and had stopped taking blood pre pressure medications. Um, the patient had also stopped t taking uh, testosterone after he'd lost his insurance. And so that probably that probably added to his fertility uh, or his capacity to get pregnant again. Um, 
he had taken a home pregnancy test, which was positive. He, his water had probably broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and while a nurse ordered a hospital pregnancy test, she felt he was stable and not emergent. Um, hours later, a doctor evaluated him and confirmed the pregnancy, but an ultrasound wasn't clear about fetal heart activity. And then as they prepared to do a C-section, the man delivered a stillborn baby. Um, so it's really, really unfortunate. Um, very tragic. The authors of the case study who didn't say where or when this occurred felt that a, a woman with similar symptoms would have been treated much more emergently um, for pregnancy-related problems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, I feel like there's two issues here, um, one of which is bias, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is possibly a problem with how healthcare professionals have to rely on heuristics and algorithms mm-hmm. to do their jobs on a daily basis. And in this case, it seems like the heuristics and algorithms just didn't measure up to the situation at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I, I worked a little bit on a, a labor and delivery unit. We, it was, I say that with like, I'm not an expert in it. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that like there there's, I feel like there's multiple points of bias that come in there. Him being a transgendered man, mm-hmm. that probably has something to do with it. And then obesity as well. Um, and then there's also something to be said about medical professionals who also will judge people based on their perceived social, like what I mean by like that is, are they seeking behavior? Like, or are they always in your ER? Are they low socioeconomic status? It's mm-hmm. kind of like a judgment mm-hmm. call by the nurse. Yeah. Um, I don't know a ton about that situation there, but I can see a whole bunch of like different biases coming into play there. Yeah. Um, Perhaps even because of the uh, health record, the electronic health record, which, you know, potentially distinguishes mostly between male and female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it just led, it just perhaps led to the death of this baby. Now I, we don't know, I think whether the baby was, or whether the the pregnancy was um, intentional, intentional yeah, was or ask, even if not intentional, desired. But I don't think that's the main focus of this situation. The main focus of the of this um, case study is just you know the you know the system failed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's important that we that, that y'all learn from it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know sometimes I don't. I don't does this is this a zebra? I'm not sure if this classifies as a zebra versus a versus a horse, but um, yeah, it does seem like a less than usual case that maybe the heuristics and algorithms failed. But I feel like so. And again, I'm not an expert on this at all, but like we have trans focused clinics now for people. Mm-hmm. Well, we do. Well, right. Yeah. But I'm saying mm-hmm. I think that as med- as you know, we start as the medical community starts very lately. Uh, accepting trans folks and their health needs. Mm-hmm. I hope that we will get more, you know, I hope that when someone comes in abdominal pain with the potential to maybe be pregnant, that we always keep that in mind. Like it's not necessarily on how you present your gender, but do you have a uterus? Do you have the potential to be pregnant? Right. Um, and so the per the, the patient had uh, gotten, a, you know, given him himself a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So was aware Okay. Of his pregnancy because mm-hmm. it came back positive. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason th- that we're sort of left to speculate on a little bit, that information wasn't correctly processed mm. 
by the system and by the individuals involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that's why I'm thinking it's, you know, not just bias, but also algorithmic right. um, failure. Like maybe it's just like a, cause you get, cause you guys talk about the importance of algorithms I was that gonna you say, understand. Medicine is a betting game yeah. and we are mm-hmm. betting people and everything is a possibility. But then in a setting of limited resources, uh, time and logistical, yep. you know, uncompromising logistical situations, we kind of have to put our money on the, the most likely thing. So I used to volunteer in emergency department, spent mm-hmm. a lot of time at the front desk every single time a pregnant woman comes in. I mean, it's if they're enough weeks along, it's straight over to labor and delivery, regardless of what the issue is, as long as it's abdominal related, Mm -hmm. like straight, straight to labor and delivery so that they can evaluate, check everything out, make sure that's okay. And then if Mm -hmm. there's another problem, they can come back to the emergency department and figure that out that, that, you know, that, that would be the normal course. Um, So it is unfortunate that, you know, that that wasn't the case in this situation. Right. And I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of like things that a pregnant woman would say to us as like a triage nurse that would immediately mm-hmm. have them brought in. And, but that requires that you to know that you are pregnant. So like my baby, I haven't felt my baby move in X amount of time. That's a surefire way to get you into the triage yeah. and mm-hmm. to get a monitor on. The abdominal pain is a little touch and go. Like there's some nurses that'll say, yeah, come in. There's some nurses that'll be like, try doing this at home. If you're still having problems, then come in. So like mm-hmm. it goes back to your algorithm thing about what's the right thing to say, what's sure. the right thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. I really do find, I struggle with that so much because it's like. What if you're wrong? What if we're wrong? Yeah. That, and that gets me all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And there's and, the and, added complication of cost for yeah. us. Like we don't want to yeah. make a patient come in and then give them a bill for a thousand dollars for something mm-hmm. that wasn't mm-hmm. necessary as it turns out. But then. Is that really things the thing? happen? Yeah, mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah, I like your your anal. Uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? An, an, an anal- analysis analogy analogy. Oh, analogy. I like your analogy of it being a betting game. You know, because yeah. because after all, that's what it's some, that's what it often comes down to. You don't you may not know for sure that you know this is what's happening. You could be wrong. You could be, it could be the wrong thing that you're thinking about. It could be, you know, you could be right. A lot of times you are right. And I think that's why these algorithms are successful, right? Because most of the time they are 90% of the time. I don't know. It's, we gather data and then the data changes the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes some data doesn't get prior. And it sounds like that's what happened in this case. Like Mm -hmm. they had the information. They just like, it just ranked really low on their list of like on their differential. It reminds me of a Robert Heinlein quote. Um, Logic is an organized way of going wrong. Well, there's something to be said about like algorithm plus like gestalt. There's like a feeling in you as a provider where you're, you're combining your training with like your overall impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually where, where was this? Just it's unknown, but the study authors were in Ann Arbor. So okay. I yeah. could guess that it's in Ann Arbor. I would hope too that, like I said earlier, that the more that we like the newer crop of doctors gets trained with trans medicine, mm-hmm. that it would be higher on our yeah. differential. Yeah. You know what I mean? And your I, gestalt would start including mm-hmm. like, this is a trans person. Yeah. These are things that we need to be considering. That seems mm-hmm. super reasonable. Yeah. I, I think so. it's like a lot of things. I mean, medical knowledge advances and right. social understandings of these, um, of the complications of you know, things, the way things are changing advances. And so you just incorporate that into your algorithms and hopefully things get better. You know, we, I think too, we all have our biases. And I I think when you look at a situation, you, you have that shortcut of how to think through it. 
So, you know, I'm looking at somebody that is a man. So like that, that's where my thought process mm-hmm. is going. Like what even are if, abdominal issues with a man? Yeah. Even if you maybe even know yeah, yeah. that they're, you know, biologically, they started out biologically female. So, yeah, and, you know, I could, I could imagine it would color your. I, your I perception think, subtly. Yeah. And that's yeah. the hard thing. And we've talked about this on the show. But it's the hard thing about unconscious bias is you don't know when it's acting on you. You yeah. can't necessarily parse that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also confusing for the fact that there are so many diseases that affect men and women, or I should say native born men and women differently. Mm-hmm. And the way that we're trained is to be like, okay, if it's a woman, you know, very high on the differential is some type of autoimmune disorder, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. just because it disproportionately affects, you know, biological yeah. women. And so it just, it requires us to reorganize the way that we incorporate information. Like now, you know, I think the instinct would be to say, oh, this is a man. So like this whole category of like things that would affect a woman is off the table, but actually mm-hmm. it's not. And so mm-hmm. it, I think it just complicates how to mark things off the list, but yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Katie and Boric, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. runs the mm-hmm. IGB, uh, IGBT. LGBT. LGBT. <laughs> there is no, is there an I? I There's don't no think I. so. Not no. that I Intersex. Intersex. Oh, it okay. Goes, it's later in the list. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, she's fantastic. She's um, amazing. Yeah. And she, Nicole Nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. That name sounds yep. familiar. Yeah. She was one of the co-founders of that clinic mm-hmm. with uh, Katie. Yeah, it would be nice if more health systems had, like, like, tailored clinics to that population mm-hmm. for exactly a yeah and, like and of course one of the important th- factors uh, in this story is that this person had lost their health insurance yeah, yeah. That's and the, so that's likely the tragic part mm-hmm. to and, me. and how yeah. likely and so they likely did not have prenatal care yep. yeah um and so um well yeah and the, and the other thing i always think about when when um when i think about these things is sometimes the edge cases are more important than the usual things that happen because mm-hmm. so much more can go wrong mm-hmm. um, in those situations. Mm-hmm. But did you say the edge cases? Edge cases, the cases oh. at the edge of. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, I thought you meant like I just thought you mispronounced H, and I was like, "What is H cases?" <laughs> <laughs> English is my third language, guys. I don't, I don't sound uh, like it's not my. Native yeah, you're language. a liar. That's a, <laughs> that's just an excuse. <laughs> I swear it's true. Damn foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys. So here at CECOM, we are adding more learning community faculty directors to the four that we already have. I don't know. If That's you, awesome. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. If you know I'm excited about that. Um, why are you excited about that? Because I think, uh, you know, getting more access to um, physicians to, to better understand where I want to go with this whole thing that is med school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's helpful. And uh, to be able to talk to them, to see them, to get to know what they do in their practice, you know, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's increased that's opportunities for mentorship. That's yeah, it. that's exactly. So anyway, I've been participating and we're doubling the number of learning community faculty directors that are available, um, which is real nice. I've been, t- so I've been participating in interviews for these folks. And one of the things that keeps coming up in these interviews is the big W. Anyone care to guess? <laughs> Wine. Wine. 
drinks wine. Wine. <laughs> bar. We, we talk about wine, wine constantly. In all of these. Do you like a good Pinot Noir? Do you, would you rather get drunk on white or red? It's a wine time. It's a wine time. Or You're like, the how do you deal with students whining? Uh, oh, that oh. wine. Mm, speaking of. Wow, we really oh. jumped on the alcohol bandwagon with that. <laughs> well, you know. No, no. The issue I'm talking about is wellness. Wellness. Oh, like, okay. I was thinking, why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, why, why the heck do you want to do this? Anyway, yeah. Like, how do you maintain your own wellness, sir or madam? Um, yeah. Wellness. Uh, so, in the context of residency, um, among the things I've personally been thinking about recently um, quite a bit is that wellness is usually approached as a a reason that victims of stress should help themselves but not usually as a strong enough reason for the system to change, right? Mm. Um, and that's just background for how I've been thinking about it. Um, when I, how I've been thinking about it when I ran across an article that suggests um, one of the reasons the system should consider changing is because it's shrinking residents' telomeres. Mm. Um, according to a new study that looked at 250 mm. residents who volunteer for the U.S.-based intern health study, Researchers uh, found that um, telomeres for interns shrunk more than six times that the shrinkage experienced by uh, undergraduate uh, college students. Um, and they think that uh, telomeres can be used as an indicator of aging and disease risk, but now that they might also be used as a marker for the effects of stress um, experienced uh, by people in general. Uh, telomere shrunk more for interns with longer hours um, and pre-internship telomere lengths were shorter for those with stressful early family environments, but the shrinkage wasn't correlated with a stressful upbringing. So the amount of shrinkage experience was constant. Um, so anyway, prepare to have your telomere shrunk. Hmm. Isn't that how they immortalize cell lines is by blocking telomeresis? Um, yep, yeah, sure. Yeah, it sounds like the opposite. Yeah, wouldn't you want your telomerases yeah. active? Because oh. isn't that what stem cells have telomerases? And yeah. that's what keeps them stem cells. I thought telomerases clip the telomeres. I thought telomerases were no, like they the, added the on. DNA polymerases. Of oh, they lengthen yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So I thought. Let's so. go with that. Let's go with yeah. that. Yeah. Please don't quote me. Yeah, if, if, if they're wrong, add us. And I will pass <laughs> on your, your feedback. Yeah. How dare you! Well, uh, Dr. Sipla had something on his Facebook page the other day. He's on Facebook. Um, yeah, he's yeah, on Facebook. He's friends like, with half our class. Yeah, <laughs> adding. And I think Justin is to... practically a millennial. He's I, social he's basically media. A med I enjoy him a lot. But anyway, he posted something the other day online, and it's a it's a study that says the brain uses sleep to reduce DNA damage, mm -hmm. and that's it's like a big mm -hmm. hypothesis about why mammals mm -hmm. or animals sleep is to reduce or fix the damage that we acquire during the day with like, you know, oxidative stress and stuff like that. And clear metabolic waste. Yeah. 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 yeah that's right. Yeah. And so that kind of goes along with your telomerases and residents don't sleep. And so if they're never mm -hmm. sleeping, maybe yeah. that has something to do with. Yep. Yeah. I have an issue with this whole culture around wellness. Yeah. There's, I mean, like <laughs> companies have all these wellness initiatives yeah. where like the employees are like, hey, you know what would make us really well? Giving us a decent wage and like maybe giving us time off to yeah. take care of our kids. And they're like, no, no, no. We want you doing yoga at lunch. That's that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Like it's 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 food. It seems to commonly be put on <laughs> the sufferer 
to adapt their lifestyle exactly to yeah. fix the problem rather than saying hey you know what maybe we the institution the 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 system is yeah. the problem mm -hmm. exactly i did note one of the applicants um i'm gonna try to say this without um making the person obvious but their department um you know sort of instituted um uh, uh, consultation for every resident with the employee assistance program. Hmm. Um, and I was first like, okay, well, great. It's another example of, you know, there's another thing to do to, that you need to do, but you, you know, don't get time off to do it. You just got to do it. Yeah. But then it turns out that um, the department in question had literally um, allowed the residents to claim hours that claim their, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the hours that they are required to do certain mm -hmm. things, um, to claim this as part of that. Your duty hours. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, uh, conference hours. That makes sense. I, anyway, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. really know. Like continuing education. Something hours? like that. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we're going to make you do this, but we're going to let you, we're also going to allow you to do this as part of your. Like make double use of that. Yeah. Time, maybe sure. Part of your, your, your job, you know, the number of hours that you already are here. So we're not going to add this to your duties. We're going to, oh, you know, say that you don't have to do something else, which is like, whoa, revel revelatory. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Was it successful? Did it have a positive they're impact? Still, uh, they're still evaluating it, but they do want to expand it to faculty and others in that department too. So cool. Mm, interesting. Um, I thought it was, I don't know, it seemed unusual to me, you know? Mm, yeah. There's definitely a sense of, um, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but it seems like a lot of these initiatives are driven by like treating people. This is a terrible analogy, but I just can't think of a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. Like, like we are cattle and when we are not producing milk, we are taken from the herd and then given the individualized attention that we need to get us producing. And then we're thrown back into the, and yeah. just, that really feels like the mm -hmm. point. It's and the American way. Maybe I'm not really. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's not just a, a problem person. with it's not just a problem with medicine, really. No. I mean, it, mm -hmm. It's the entire employment culture right. here. Yeah. There's a focus on like your productive output. Like you are mm -hmm. only you, you're only worth as much as you can produce to drive the economy. And I think yeah. that's a that's kind of the underlying mentality behind these wellness initiatives is like, OK, how much like how little can we possibly do for you to get you back up and running? Yeah, basically, mm -hmm. it's not really about like helping the person. It's about like getting them back to a place where they can continue producing for you. I yeah. just don't like that. It's yeah. like I make you feel good kind of thing. Like, yeah. How can we keep you interested and keep you feeling good and keep you feeling like you need to stay here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep doing. Man, there are a lot of attacks on the right to abortion going on right now. Anna's mm. <laughs> deep, just deep took a deep inhale. breath. Uh, not only uh, did Alabama's governor sign into law a ban on all kinds of abortions this week, with no exceptions for things like rape and incest, in yet another state's effort to provoke a fight in the conservative Supreme Court that could overturn Roe v. Wade. But in Ohio, a bill has been submitted that would make it illegal for insurance companies to cover uh, abortion in most cases, as well as things like morning after pills that prevent implantation. Plus, the bill says that any birth control method that stops a fertilized egg from implanting, like IUDs, would also be targeted. And to top it all off, 
Representative John Becker included a provision that says ectopic pregnancies could just be removed from the fallopian tube and reimplanted in the uterus. Oh my God. So those fetuses could be saved. <laughs> that... This procedure does not exist. This is not a thing. It's basically <laughs> impossible to medical science as we know it right now. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we were all just cringing over here, especially with that. It like... It's amazing that people with such little understanding of like basic biology have so much control yeah. over mm -hmm. people's biology. I literally just posted this on my Facebook. I'm like, this is like, this is kind of a separate but equal conversation where you, this is why sexual education is so needed. If you don't understand how basic human reproduction works, why, how, why and how are you doing your job? Yeah. And so I think I understand the information. It's not like it's not there. Like there are textbooks on this. Yeah. They just if, if I'm if, if I'm when I'm president, let's just say when I'm president <laughs> and if, when I don't know something like I'm not an engineer. Like, I'm yeah. Watch out, people. <laughs> Hannah Vanner is president. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. But anyway, 2032. I cannot wait. Uh, I don't even know if I'll be graduating. <laughs> Anywho, when I don't know something, I want to bring in like an engineer or an economist like I don't know. So if you are a lawmaker and you don't know, hey, I don't know how this works shed some light on it it does not seem like yeah, these yeah. people i have this idea is, is it dumb <laughs> i would say yeah dude it's dumb <laughs> i'll say i so i had the opportunity to go uh to uh, physician day on the hill i went with yeah. you you were there too yes uh and so there were there i believe there's one physician uh in our state legislature uh senator and one uh armp i believe those are like there may be some other healthcare workers, mm -hmm. but but you know there, there's a lot of lack of knowledge when it comes to healthcare in the state of Iowa, in that you know in our state legislature and in our government in general, and you know I think that's a big call for us as like the future of medicine, you yeah. know, to get more involved. I, yep. I think mm -hmm. if we want to um, have knowledge there for all kinds of healthcare related issues we need to get involved. I think I understand why this whole ectopic pregnancy would just move the ectopic pregnancy to the uterus. Why this makes sense from a limited perspective. After all, we can do something complicated like IVF. put yeah. a heart yeah. into a, oh. it, it, well, yeah, that, <laughs> I or, about or, that too. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what you I, I immediately went to, well, we can, you know, like, okay, the problem is, you know, Let's say the problem is vascularization, right? We, you know, you, you, we can put a heart into from one person to another. Maybe we can just move a move the, the pregnancy from one place to another. Connect up a few vessels, and Bob's your uncle. I don't. I, I'll be honest. I don't think it's a question of ignorance at all. Yeah. I think there's something much darker happening here. Yeah. And what it's I, such a weird thing to propose that you got to be honest. Yeah. Here's like, what yeah, I, the whole, the rest of it. Yeah. Maybe. But it's such a weird thing to propose. It's a very specific thing to propose that I wasn't even aware was like on the, on the radar of of people that want to ban abortions. You know, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that this was a, th a thing for them. So here's what I'm thinking. I don't I don't think any of those things matter. I, like some legislators have been ex like totally transparent about wanting to pass the most extreme version of the law so that it would be challenged in court so that it would go to the Supreme Court and then cause Roe v. Wade to be knocked down. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the fear with that is that it's actually very possible because Roe v. Wade is based on really shaky 
legal ground. It's not actually about constitutional right. I think the I have to go back and read like the proper legal literature, but I think it's based on the right to privacy, not like the right to yeah access to medical services. Right. So the decision was based on that. It's, it's narrow questionable. Yeah. yeah. I think the best chance we have, which is going to be a little bit repugnant to a lot of people, however you guys feel, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm for access to that. And I think the best chance we have is the church of Satan uh, challenging this <laughs> oh, as yeah. a violation uh-huh. of their religious rights. Yeah. I, yeah. I really think I, I know it sounds kind of it's it's weird. It's an interesting but it's organization. Where we're, it, it's it's an indication of where we've come to. They've done a lot of like, yeah, they've, they were the ones that like challenged like Ten Commandments and like courthouses and on public grounds and stuff like that. Yeah, they're very yeah. interesting. You know, one other implication that sometimes that I've ne- I almost never see in the press about these um, these bills is that in order to be accredited, OBGYN residency programs have to provide yeah. family planning services, perform abortions, abortions, perform <laughs> abortions, or make arrangements for residents to do those things at another institution. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that these states that are dismantling family planning and abortion services uh, within them have no OBGYN residency programs, and thus the provision of OB services in general will suffer in those states. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Also a problem. I just don't see it mentioned a lot. I think the goal here is, I think all of these initiatives are driven by white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think the goal is to combine, to combine a reform of immigration law to prevent non-white people from coming here. And also to cut down on the ways that white women can stop having children. Because actually, if you, if you look at the statistics, our um, population growth rate is dropping and baby boomers are starting to retire and we're not having nearly enough children to be able to take care of them in their old age. Gosh, that sounds like, that sounds an awful lot like a conspiracy. It's a little bit, (laughs) it's a little bit. uh, Yeah. You know, like, and I have a, I have a sort of general rule, which is not to ascribe to, um, you know, a conspiracy. What can be explained away by just human stupidity. I don't think these people are dumb at all. I think they know exactly what they're doing. But I think it's I think dumb we're the... just oh. becoming, oh no, you you go ahead. Okay. I, well, I was just going to talk. talk about tribalism. Like, I think we're just dividing further left and right and yes. there's less in the yeah. middle. And, and it's been that way for, well, since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we just keep going further left and further right. And there's no room for anybody who wants to be in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, politically at least. Yeah, uh, even Even though much of the country is I think there's still a good amount of the country mm-hmm. in the middle. Um, I I struggle with that dichotomy because to me it's not left and right. It's right versus wrong, or like how are we taking that we when the, versus data versus no data. So the data says, hey, abortion access and actually birth control access and all of these other well-rounded p- policies will actually reduce abortions versus these people who are like, no, you can't have access to abortion. You can't have access to birth control. And oh, by the way, it's increasing maternal mortality because women are getting back alley abortions. Mm-hmm. We're not training OBGYNs to properly take care of them. There's not, And because we're not training enough OBGYNs, there's not OBGYNs in rural areas. There's not, rural, there's not OBGYNs in communities of color, which is why maternity mortality, one of the reasons why maternal mortality in African-American women is abysmal astronomically high um and so i really struggle and i i I agree with you in the sense that like left versus right there's no room in the middle but to me it's like 
it's more of a moral data driven. What are we doing to take care of everyone? And I, and I know there's like nuanced and gray areas and stuff, but I just really struggle with. Listen, control yeah. over your reproductive ability is the number one way to pull yourself out of poverty. Right. Like mm-hmm. unplanned parenthood is, mm-hmm. is the it's a direct ticket to being really poor and hungry for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think we this is going to sound really conspiratorial, but like mm. poor people drive the economy because they're desperate and desperate people have to work to feed themselves. Well, so that's because what we tell them, you have to work. You're not working hard enough. Oh, exactly. you want food stamps? You have to work. Oh, yeah. like you have to work. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You want health care? You have to prove the, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. I think it's all part of an effort to maintain a segment of the population that is so desperate that they will continue working. And if they have children to feed, they're even they have even less agency over their lives and less control over their destinies. That's why I think this is all happening. And I think it's mm-hmm. primarily driven. I think it's, I don't know. This is a, I admit it's conspiratorial, but I do think it's driven by a desire to maintain a white majority in our country, because if white women stop having children, a lot of people in power don't want Maria and, you know, Jose coming and repopulating the country with non-white children. But yeah. see, that's where I think it's also, I know you said they're not dumb and I agree with you, but I think it's stupid because if you do look at it, immigrants are huge. They pay into our social security and all of our social programs, but they don't benefit from it, which is a agree. bullshit. Can mm-hmm. I say that on here? Sure. Okay. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two, like we already have a whole bunch of white baby boomers that we're going to need to support on Social Security. So we should yeah. be absolutely welcoming to immigrants. And they also build our business and our even from a cold and calculating standpoint, even, immigrant, even if you're immoral, it still makes sense. Even, I agree yeah. with you. Completely. Even from your profitability, all we want is to boost the economy standpoint. That's what makes the most logical sense. I agree with you. Well, I, yeah. I disagree a little bit with the economic side of things, because I, I think that if you have uh, more people at a higher wage, your economy tends to look better and do better. But what I will say is that um, immigrants have a tendency to generate business. And that is one reason why, mm-hmm. you know, the whole immigration topic is crazy. What What is going on with immigration right. in this Agreed. country now? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we can show all kinds of studies that show immigrants coming to this country generate right. more new jobs. Uh, they make new small businesses. They they bring they, diversity of they thought. They live, which literally drives... live the American dream. Yeah. They, they or yeah. try to. Feel free, well, to, feel free to cut any of that. Yeah. 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 I realize I kind of I tend to go overboard, but it's only because I feel safe being honest. You know, here. it's OK. Yeah. Um, you know, even though some people might not um, agree with your analysis, um, you know, we do our best. Guys, let's move on. Really? But this is making this me is sad. such a, a nice and pleasant thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's do something else. Uh, guys, it turns out that our executive producer and writing and humanities program leader, Jason Lewis, is leaving us for the greener pastures of oh. YouTube. Of the YouTube drama. He's a YouTuber. The I hope he doesn't have I hope he doesn't end up like James Charles. And the uh, only the only reason I heard about that, by the way, is because someone made jokes about it at the mic on Monday and I was like, who's this now? Yeah. <laughs> who's James Charles? I don't know. Well, as I gear up to assist in the search for a new boss, and as I ponder the amount of bullshit that sometimes gets thrown around during job interviews from both sides, Mm. I thought we'd play a little BS detecting game. Mm. Each of the following pairs of claims were taken from Snopes.com. One is true or truish, and the other is false. (laughs) Or false-ish. Let's see if you can detect (laughs) which is which. So our first pairing of claims 
some granite countertops may cause cancer. Or, so that could be true or false. True or false, medical research has established a causative link between root canals and cancer mortality. Which of these is the true one and which of these is the false one? The, the granite's true. I would say the granite, because it would it be like in the mining process? Yeah, I think there's radioactive material in the granite. Um, like, I, I don't know what, but yeah, yeah I mean, I rocks, radioactivity. Yeah. Okay. I can believe that. Yeah. You don't believe that there's a causal link between root canals and cancer mortality? Actually, that so, one somebody else can provoked a little bit, like a twinge of hesitation in me. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Well, you, you unfortunately, that right. that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> no, that yeah, as you say, the true the true uh, claim is that uh, some granite countertops may cause may have contained radon. Radon. Uh, radon yeah. was measured oh, at 100 picocuries per liter in the kitchen of a doctor's New York summer home in 2008. And so there was Maybe a lot you just of, lived in Iowa. There was a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of radon here. Um, it, that's tons, 25 yeah. times the level that the EPA says homeowners should take action on. So wow, I'm happy with my Formica countertop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could like cook right on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that works. But it ra radiates a meat. Perhaps a senator from Ohio might uh, suggest that as oh. a thing to, to do. Zing. Uh, Got him. All right. Here's, here's our next two claims. Um, one is tr one is uh, true and one is false. Uh, drinking four glasses of water at the beginning of each day will prevent heart attacks and cure various diseases. Or in ancient Rome, women would drink turpentine to make their urine smell sweet like roses. <laughs> Which That's of these is? One. Yeah, I, 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 I like believe. the second one. That sounds pretty awesome. You're, those are, I don't know if it was the Romans, but those, oh, in the Victorian ages, women would put, is it atropine in their eyes to make yeah, their, like, their pupils yeah. dilate yes. to make them look more attractive, but they couldn't see anything because they couldn't accommodate. You don't need yeah. to see things. People just Belladonna. need to see you. People need to just see you looking hot, girl. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. It's before uh, iris enlarging uh, eye contacts were a thing. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. Lady Gaga. Yeah. And also... All of Korea. Yeah. <laughs> the Korean beauty market. Yeah. yeah. I would, yeah. I would get cool contact lenses like that. Yeah, you should. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. The false claim is the water glasses, drinking four glasses of water. Um, actually, the, uh, the claim that ancient Roman women would drink turpentine to make their urine smell like roses is actually a mixture. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell how much of this is true. Um, because uh, while turpentine was used as a medication for various things, and while it does cause urine to smell like flowers, it's not roses, but violets. Mm. And it's unclear that actual Roman women used it for this purpose. Hmm. Um, we should all drink some turpentine. Yeah. That is the moral of that. Is, yeah. I think I learned that. I could go for some today. gin. So, <laughs> might make you smell too. Yeah. Aren't people? Oh, it does. <laughs> Aren't people drinking bleach now? Like I don't bleach know. Solutions? Have For you heard what? of this? Oh, like as like a preventative measure. It's like a new, probably new agey, hippy dippy nonsense. I know people drink apple cider vinegar for some. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, like reasons. like like. Bleach. I'll look it up. I don't know. I've heard... While you look that up, I don't. You know, that doesn't make any sense. You're like buying organic food and drinking bleach. <laughs> like There's a lot of. It was on. Uh, there's a No really vaccines nice... either. Yeah, of course not. Uh, <laughs> the bleach. Because you've got you the bleach. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the bugs. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple. I should run for Ohio. Uh, yeah. Senator you'd be a... Yeah. <laughs> You're on par intellectually. You're a winner. Yeah. Um, or with your ideas. Ohio, Iowa. There's a, there's a couple. Um, 
that run a podcast called Sawbones. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of Justin them? McElroy and uh, his wife, uh, Teresa, I think. Yeah. I Why not Dr. Teresa McElroy and her husband? Because I know I, because I know Justin McElroy. But you're oh. right. You're right. I mean, why she does is, I mean the woman is the doctor on the show and she still goes second I know. look at that bullshit. I I you're totally right. I but <laughs> but I no, you're absolutely Women right. Women doctors also get called by their first names at much of a higher rate than male mm. doctors. So my instinct, I will admit my instinct indeed was to say Justin McElroy's but name he is first. Your friend. Huh? But you said he was your friend. No, 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 you he's not him. my friend. Oh. You just said you know him. Listen, I, was, I know. I no, I know him. Off the hook. No, I know him because of his many, many other appearances in other podcasts over the years before I knew about Sawbones. Oh, oh, oh okay. But, anyway, hey, Saba. that's fair. Uh, anyway, sorry so- that I contributed <laughs> to the patriarchy. <laughs> I'm just as shitty as other people. No, 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 you're not. Yes, I, I just I couldn't miss an opportunity to give you shit. You know that. <sighs> what am I supposed to do? Not give you shit? Shit given. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they had an episode recently about people uh drinking bleach and yeah. it's it's it comes as an inactive thing and then apparently you mix it with some other stuff and then you're supposed it's like a new agey uh. like a new granola you know community of people sounds <laughs> sounds it's, dumb it sounds yeah. like it could kill you too yeah yeah it's dangerous for sure our next uh pairing of uh one true and one false claim uh eating takis brand corn chips causes ulcers and cancer in children yes Versus a, things, a child injured his arm through extended wearing of silly bands. Uh, maybe both can both be. Remind true. me what silly bands are. <laughs> those were those. Uh, they were they were basically silicone rubber bands. Oh, and they, and came they were in, in weird shapes, and you could stretch oh, them out, one. and they, yeah, because oh. you could like get circulation damage and. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going with the the chips. Yeah. Uh, oh, you are. Yeah. Are I you am. just being contrary? No, I I think like I read something on this okay. actually. All right. <laughs> All right. Break one of our hearts, Dave. Well, I'm going to have to break uh, Nick's uh, heart (laughs) because eating, it can cause uh, heartburn, uh, heartburn, stomach upset in children. Yeah, for sure. But uh, there's no ulcers or cancer involved as far as I I didn't catch the cancer. Yeah. I just thought ulcers. Yeah. The thing about the silly bands is is, is it is true. Um, There was a case in the literature of a child who was wearing silly bands on his arm for an extended period, many, many silly bands on his arm for an extended period of time and, uh, and did indeed have some problems. The thing about this is that parenting is a never ending horror show of fear (laughs) and terror. And we can, uh, it just means we can add silly bands to the things that can destroy our babies if they, you know, come into contact with them. Cholecystitis. Do you, do you, gallbladder removed. Nice. Ah, so that's what I was. <laughs> sorry, that's about the Takis, yeah, not the yeah, silly yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah. Silly bands don't cause cholecystitis. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe who knows? All right, let's try another one. <laughs> um, part of the process of determining a pope has died and is not merely sleeping calls for him to be tapped on the forehead with a silver hammer, <laughs> or and a 19th century British man named Edward Mordrake was born with a rare medical condition in the form of an extra face on the back of his head. Oh, wow. Which one of these is true and which one of these is not true? The face on the back of the head. Is what? Is true. Okay. Yeah, I think I, like, remember seeing, like, some crazy picture. All right. Okay, crazy picture. Probably at the House on the Rock. Or yeah. Something. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I hate that place. <laughs> I love that place. Oh. It's nuts, though. Oh. <laughs> it's wild. 
I can see how somebody might hate it, though. It's it's creepy first, crawly. The first time I went there, I was like 10. And I was yeah. like, even then I could tell it was like an acid fever dream. And yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah. Yeah. You. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, House in the Rock in Wisconsin. Go visit. I am from Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I'll add consensus to these guys. To, to okay. So you then. agree? Yeah. Um, no. Oh, it's oh, the Pope. Right. That is the false one. So the, the Pope one is unproven, but it could be true. And the reason it's unproven, I mean, you would think, we'll just ask someone. But, you know, it's hard to tell if it's true or not, since lots of things about these rituals uh, How about are they obscure. How socks on them or something? Yeah, right. They're like a heart monster. I think they might. Yeah, well, the, the origin of this uh, idea... Which could be true. I mean, maybe they whack him on the head with a silver hammer to make sure he's uh, hmm. not uh, still alive. But the origin could be that the Chamberlain calls out the pontiff's baptismal name three times over the corpse in an effort to prompt a response. And if he doesn't get one, he defaces with a silver hammer that particular bishop's uh, ring of the fisherman, Pescatorio, huh? along with the dyes that are used to make the lead seals for apostolic letters. Cool. No idea what any of that means because I'm not Catholic, but sounds cool. Yeah, sounds interesting. All right, here's a true, another true and false pair. A machine shop worker tore his scrotum in a piece of oh. machinery and then stapled it back together. <laughs> or oh a lottery winner died after attempting to gold plate his testicles. Oh my God. Which of these is true and which is false? <laughs> I, I could see both of them. I could see both of them. I'm going to go with the first one being true. Mm -hmm. Why, I, you know, gold testicles? That's really calling. Yeah, I kind of want to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> really spoke to me too. I, uh, I don't know. You why. know the answer, so you can't pronounce yourself on. True, this true. I, I, I wouldn't mind having some gold testicles though. <laughs> like I mean, what's Nick, the point? Like, no one would ever see them. It would just be no one would ever see them. We have wives. We yeah. would want our wives to admire our gold scrotums. <laughs> or you could just like defy social norms and just leave them out all the time true you're gonna get them yeah. gold-plated yeah. yeah if you're gonna go to the trouble <laughs> you don't want the attention. never ever never ever in the history of mankind has any woman ever said you know what i'd like to have gold-plated labia <laughs> right i mean this is well, not going in a different yeah. this is not a thing all right. Yeah. The the uh, the true one is the machine shop worker who tore his scrotum in a That's piece of machinery. Uh, this case study was reported in the July 191 issue of Medical Aspects of Human Sexuality, perhaps in part because the worker had been using the canvas drive belt of a piece of machinery as a self-pleasuring device. Oh, my God. When it tore open his scrotum and evulsed his left testicle. The, the man healed without complications after, Good. after the rusty so now, staples now. that he used to close his wound he were can, removed <laughs> days later. He can still procreate. Yeah. I That's mean, great. should he though? <laughs> this is why I'm like, Dar we're, we're letting Charles Darwin down a little bit, I think. I mean, should yeah. he be able to procreate after this? Well, he should, because we should all have that He did right. survive. <laughs> <laughs> Reproductive freedom for all. Reproductive way to, freedom. Way to straddle that there line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, the false claim about the uh, gold plating test, gold plated testicles that uh, dates to no, a November 2015 article, and then afterwards um, reporting that a various named lottery w winner had fatally used an automotive gold plating machine to gild his berries, leading to his tragic death. So. Huh. Oh, that oh, that's a thing. Uh, well, it was a claim. Yeah, these that's are all like okay, okay. claims. Yeah, reported on. Snow. Man, the lengths people will go to for vanity and or sexual pleasure. Well, or yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the problem. Is some of these are some of these false ones are a little believable. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Um, not sure about this one. <laughs> a woman had a dead kitten surgically removed from her hoo-ha after inserting it to simulate the feeling of being pregnant. Oh, no. Or a woman sought medical help to remove a deer tongue she had used for xenolingual pleasure, we'll just say. Oh, oh, oh. Why? Yeah. I hate people so much. <laughs> people Aaliyah's like, are the worst. No! Let's not kink shame, you guys. Okay? And that's <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't know. I, I could see someone, because there's, there's a lot of mental illnesses or like people with mental health disorders that desire to be pregnant or like one of their things is they it's like a fantasy about being pregnant. So I'm yeah. okay with the first one being true. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. That's true. I I yeah. shouldn't I shouldn't be rude. That's true. I, I no, can no, understand. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, great. Because <laughs> that's that's crazy. This maybe is ridiculous this, on this, every level. This whole pairing may be over the line even for us, but yeah. you know. Um, I'm you gonna know. I'm gonna go with it and I'll think about it over the weekend whether to remove it. I <laughs> I, I wanna know where you get the deer tongue. Um, so hunting I, season, man. I, I mean, I suppose maybe, yeah. Deer she hunter. Deer? She's a deer hunter. Is that maybe? what you're, uh, is that what you're going to go with? Uh, pff, I, I don't care. Might as well. They're both pretty <laughs> sure. They're both pretty crazy. <laughs> they're both nuts. Um, yeah, no, the false one is the, uh, dead kitten. Oh, one, um, the deer tongue. It is possible that the deer tongue case could have been embellished, but the basic facts that a cylindrical mash of pale gray tissue had to be removed from the woman's body were reported in a 1990 article in the American Journal of Forensic Medicine and Pathology. You know, if this were guys, I would... <laughs> right? You'd be like, oh yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's the deer tongue. <laughs> That's the one. He went and got his testicles gold-plated, and then he used... Yeah. yeah. Men are getting such a bad rap. Men deserve a bad... Any man... Who uses the spinning drive belt oh, of a machine so on ridiculous. his brakes, on his brakes at work, to have a little fun. Whatever happened to using your hand, guys? Right. I mean, there are... There it is, works just fine. Right. It does... Why do we have to escalate? Why is this necessary? Because using your hand makes you a peasant, according to this guy. Because they're just better options. Yeah. No, there's not. No. All right, we got to end this oh, no. uh, sideshow before we will. We will never get hired again. Before we get, before we get canceled. Uh, Aline, Emma, Nick, Hannah, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, it's been great. Us. And what kind of terrible human being would I be if I didn't thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week? For all your questions <laughs> and for your supportive T-shirt and cookbook orders. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to her. I don't know why you would, but you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, or wherever fine or podcasts, I guess, we are kept. We love answering listener questions, so send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcuts at gmail.com or reach out on social media, or you can leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We will talk about it on the show. And hey, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some more stars and a positive review. They let us know that you're happy with our work, just like... Hanuman1702 did, who he just started, he or she just started listening and says that so far, we're great. 
Thanks for leaving yourself an out there, just in case we end up not being great. Uh, it's a good idea, though. The show is made possible by a gener generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. Thank you.